I don't necessarily want to go make friends with the other person of color in case like in case all the white people are just like grouping us together being like why are they only talking to each other I just want to call it out it's so okay go find that solidarity go and be friends with the other brown person you see it's okay and also I'm not a symbol of tokenism like I'm not your one brown friend who makes you not racist like Welcome to my podcast, Shreya. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Spent some time in the sun. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I want to say like same shit, different day, but you know that. Uh, we literally, so just for everyone listening, Shreya and I had a massive conversation just before we started recording. And I was like, fam, there's going to be no content left for the podcast because we've basically (laughs) just talked about everything interesting. Um, But yeah, and thank you so much for coming on. Like, I've literally been wanting to have you on for months and I feel like COVID just made it happen. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. silver linings in everything. Indeed. Shreya, um, just in terms of podcast background, so what kind of immigrant uh, generation would you classify yourself as? So I know you're an avid listener. Um, we have first generation who, um, you know, is a, so I identify as first generation myself. Then you uh-huh. have 1.5 gen, who uh-huh. a lot of people who are mixed between first and second gen identifiers. And then uh-huh. the second gen who is someone, um, you know, literally of second generation immigrant family whose parents immigrated here and they were born here and raised here. So what would you yeah. identify yourself as? Yeah, I'm a pure two, Gen 2. I was born here. So, yeah, I made the cut for the two. But you know what? Surprisingly, because I know you, I would say you're almost 1.5 to an extent. And I'll touch upon why I think you're that later on. But I think it's unfortunate that you the only yeah. difference for you being a two is that you were born in England. Yeah. Otherwise, it's pretty... No, I kind of agree with you. Maybe a 1.8. Maybe we can change up the scale a little bit. 1.75. Yeah, Yeah, really. I was almost born there. Almost? It's literally... That counts for something. It's not your (laughs) parents' fault. Wait, it's your parents' fault that you chose to be born in, like, Ipswich instead of Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have anything to... I had no say in that, you know? Which one would have been better, I will not comment on. But... uh, (laughs) Okay, and where are your family from? Family are from Bihar in India. And that's where your parents are from? Yeah, that's where my parents are from. They're both from the same area in Champaran in Bihar. Um, Yeah, they're both from there. And then my sister was also born, well, she was born out of where we're originally from in the main city, Patna, which is the capital city of Bihar. Patna Gang Gang. Which you know, Kitty, but um, yeah, Gang Gang. Gang, gang. And then you were born, not in India, you were born where? Yeah, I was born in Ipswich, Suffolk, which is where I'm currently residing as well. I just love the energy that you have when talking about Ipswich versus when you talk about Bhatna. Like, <laughs> I know people can't see facial expressions, but Shreya is smiling when she talk about India. And the minute she talked about Ipswich, her face dropped. Dropped. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. Memories, good memories. Of Bhatna, right? Of Patna, yeah. Obviously, obviously. And um, so where did you grow up in England? Did, so you were yeah, born in Yeah, grown Ipswich. up. 
grown up in Ipswich until I was um, 19. Then I went to university, went to university in Hull, did a master's in Nottingham. Then I've actually moved back to Ipswich. Then I was working in Bombay and now I'm back in Ipswich again during this lockdown period. But largely Ipswich is my home. Okay. And growing up, uh, can you describe what Ipswich was like growing up? In, if, you had to, if you had to summarise it in like a couple of sentences. Ipswich is just very countryside, white population. Um, especially when I was growing up, there wasn't many Asians at all. Like I still remember the influx of like South Asians into Ipswich because it was such a time for my family as well. We'd be like, wow. There's so many more people from India these days. So that was exciting. But otherwise, largely just like countryside, farmery type. Quite well Vibes. to do. Ipswich, yeah, like the area I've grown affluent. up in. Like, affluent, that's the word, yeah. Um, that's how I see Ipswich from the lens that I've been brought up in. Fair. And I'm not going to ask about schools, like as in which exact schools you went to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you... Uh, you definitely went to a private school, right? Did you go to a prep yes. school or just a normal primary school? I went to a normal government primary and then a private high school. Ah, and what was the private um, high school like? Yeah, interesting is a word that comes to mind. Um, it was one of those things where you can count every other Asian on your hand. I think in my, there's one other Asian, two other Asians in my year group one of the Asians' little sisters were the other Asians. Like, basically, it was just, like, two or three families that made it up the whole, like, people of colour population. I think there was, like, one black girl, um, two Chinese girls, and that comes to about, I'm going to say, seven people in Do you the know what's mad? Is that, uh, for those of you listening, Shrey is literally my lifelong best friend. So I do know a little bit more than I'm letting on. But what's mad, Shrey, is that I actually know all the black people in your school of like our of our year because there was this one black family and they had just had siblings and they all went to that school and I'm pretty sure they were friends with the Asian kids <laughs> siblings and yeah you just like that's how small it is like someone who knew nothing right which knew the entire population exactly like, BAME demographic of that school exactly it was it was um minuscule to say the least and um Luckily, though, the girl who was in my year group is one of my best friends. So we've literally ridden that wave together, which was like, thank God, because I can't imagine with with the lack of Asians that there were and the lack of just people of color. I'm so glad I at least had one other person in my class because I'm aware that there are Asians that go through school and they don't have anyone from a similar background they don't have anyone to relate to and I just cannot imagine so even though there was very few like thank god for that and did and did you have family friends that were brown like or Asian or you know I mean like so to give you to give context I grew up exactly like pretty much like you I took private school full of white people Mm -hmm. and I was I wouldn't say it was as sparse as you. So there was definitely a lot more like diverse background in my school. So there was like Indians, like Hindu Indians, and there was like mm-hmm. Indian Muslims and like 
Pakistani Muslims and there was a lot of South Asians actually and there were probably a handful of black people as well but weirdly I was never friends with the Asians like I can name mm-hmm. probably like I had one Asian friend who herself only had other white friends so we were mm-hmm. both kind of mm-hmm. a bit like quotation mark coconuts and I was I was like very white but then I feel like I would get my Asian like influence from my family friends Mm-hmm. So like my dad's friends kids and like I had no choice but to hang out with them and I ended up loving them yeah okay so with that those are I feel like those people in our lives are why we like turn out the way we do and you always have those <laughs> jokes with your family friends right always so yeah um luckily when my dad came over all of his like friends I think in Bihar there was a thing at the time where a lot of Bihari doctors were moving into the UK so that meant a lot of Papa's friends were so then there was one group of people like spread all over the UK. We just meet up every weekend. Like this was Papa's uni friends. This is like the dream, right? You're just driving to different places in this new country that you've all moved to. So childhood was fun. And we were always, I was always seeing loads of like big sister type figures from the same exact background. And then in Ipswich, we've got our little Indian group and mum was used to be friends with a lot of the Pakistani aunties around. So we used to always have like the kitty parties and the coffee mornings with yes. the here and the mm, delicious, delicious food. So I always, there was never any lack, never too much lacking in the terms of diversity and other cultures and like being submerged into my own culture. That always happened. As you said, because of the family friends, like they really do. That is where you get your Asian fix. That is where you go to the, Asian the kids. Fix, yes. And you go to the um, you go to the kids' room of the parties, whatever's happening, and you're all bonding over gulab jamun and ice cream, and it's just fantastic. And you go back to school the next day, have your ham sandwiches, but you feel good because you know you have PJs <laughs> last night. <laughs> Do you know what though? Can I just go back to the Halim? I had Halim yeah. for the first time last week. <laughs> for the first time in my life. Oh. I had no fucking clue what the hell Halim was. And I had it, it was delicious. And it was such a foreign concept to me. Do you not think that's such a foreign concept? Like, it's soup, yeah. but like not a dal, it's a stew. It's just like, yeah, it's just like meaty, but like really tender and just like, wow. I was so confused. How would you rate like, it my out mouth was so confused. Well, Shirobi made it and it was pretty good. Like my flatmate made it and I'd give it a solid eight and a half, nine out of 10, but then I'm not comparing it to any other Halim because I've never had it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy eating. she'll make it again. <laughs> yeah, no, she. We, I helped her make it. To be fair, I made kima pao, which for those of you Ooh. listening who don't know what it is, Google it. It's kima pao, P-A-V. It's this like amazing mince, like, mi- like lamb mince spicy meat that you have with. I'm not making it sound nice, am I? Mince meat yeah, it, with peas and bread. It's great. Yeah, delightful stuff. It's, it's a banger. And um, yeah, going back to uh, another point that you made about road trips, like, so my dad's very similar. He's best friends. What's weird is that you you pray in your life that your friends' kids are going to be best friends with your kids. Mm-hmm. And I feel like mm-hmm. my dad just somehow made it happen because mm-hmm. he moved from India with all his best friends. And now they're dotted all around the country because of the jobs. Otherwise, I'm sure they would live all next door to each other. Yeah, And I remember as a kid, the most exciting part growing up would be like going to school, not seeing anyone that looks like me and having all white friends. And on the weekend, knowing that you're going to like X's house 
and like seeing your daisy friends who you've not seen in ages and it's like a road trip then you sleep in the car and you stop at the service station and you sleep over at theirs and it's just all such a great time and you will sleep like sleeping lions like the like it used to be like the mums would even have one room where they'd sleep over the dads would all like have a sleepover as if it was uni again and then the kids would just be watching some scary movie that we're too young to watch um yeah those were highlights like I look back at those weekends and I think those were so funny because the thing is what I think is that the banter you just get to when you have those weekends right you just ease up like you can make jokes you can talk about the way your parents shouted at you without the fear of someone calling child services because genuinely a real fear throughout primary school was that if I tell anyone <laughs> not just that, like my parents aren't violent like crazy people but like you know the usual like I think a lot of um I got an ear pulling I got an ear pulling from time yeah to time. like you just get a little bit of a you know bit of a bit of a smack and that was okay I'm not scarred from it or anything but that's not something it's something I'll talk about openly now but I was never going to go into school and be like you know everyone's sharing stories of all mommy mommy grounded me first of all i had no idea what grounding is <laughs> Same. I, to... I, I was grounded my whole life and didn't even fucking know like that I, was just I normal state of mind <laughs> i don't really understand what grounding is is it that you're allowed to go as you please until you're grounded because for me it was you ask before you do anything before you step out of the house <laughs> you ask so it's like yeah grounded until told otherwise no, for sure. Or like, they'll say, oh, like, mum took my laptop away. Fam, I had to ask my dad well, to use the laptop every time. In the first place, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just like little things like that, you'd just be like, right. You just somehow, you just knew. I'd probably be a case of, I call you up later and be like, right, well, mum did this, this and this. And I knew that you would... Not that I can't, like, you know, vent about normal things, but there's just, there is a slight difference in the way you can talk about your family isn't there no agreed and I made this point um I actually tweeted about it like a week ago or something and I just said no one understood in school why my parents were strict and like they wouldn't let me go obviously when I got to a certain age and everyone started underage drinking and like going out to parties like do you remember when you just everyone would just go drink in a park like some motorway because same that was a thing in my life and like that's such a white people thing to do and I would go to like these daisy households and like I'd, I'd talk about it in school and people are like, oh kitty are you like coming out this weekend and I'd be like no I can't like my dad said no and they'd just look they wouldn't say anything to be like oh go stand up to your dad it'd just be like a oh eventually like they'll stop trying because my dad said no the first time Oh, and okay. I'd go to like my Asian friend's house or like my family friends. And then I'd be like, oh, so by the way, this is mad party. And my dad said no. And they'd be like, oh yeah, same. They're like, oh, how was it though? Like we, we had like that bond of FOMO because everyone just oh, missed okay, out on yeah. our parties. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that was definitely one thing I just couldn't really talk about in school. Because how do you explain to someone who doesn't understand your culture in the first place? Like why strict parents are a thing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the time you don't even, I mean, you may have done, but I know definitely, I didn't even really understand my own culture. Like it's a very confusing time, isn't it? When you're a teenager. Um, and I always thought it was my parents. I used to take it so personally. Yeah. And growing up, I'm like, I'm probably going to do that to my own kids, not to the same extent. No, really though. Yeah. It's definitely, and now obviously my, our parents, they are so relaxed. They're so chill. Mm -hmm. They, 
literally wouldn't I mean I'm a grown woman you're a grown woman I wouldn't half tell my parents now yeah but they're so much more relaxed and I always think it's just the parenting style of the culture not them themselves yeah exactly and it must be must have been difficult for them to come into a new culture and like they were always trying they were really trying to be like that halfway person obviously they were not as strict as if they were living in India at the moment at like at the time but it's also not a case of I remember at that age a lot of people would be like but you're 18 like you can do what you want I was like no (laughs) <laughs> no penny i cannot age it does not mean once i have a degree then maybe but before that there's no making my own rules but yeah, yeah as you said it's, it's difficult to explain when people it's just difficult to explain agreed no that's that's fine thank you, you explained it really well actually and just because we touched upon school i'm going to ask questions about school now so mm-hmm. i know you mentioned it a little bit about having a really small um, kind of cultural subset in school. There wasn't that many, uh-huh. there wasn't diversity. Then you touched upon, you know, how your, your, the way you were parented as well in school. Um, uh-huh. I want to talk just a little bit about your childhood because uh-huh. there are obviously things that make you unique because you are Indian, like ethnically Indian. And I want to highlight uh-huh. this because your nationality is British, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you yeah. almost like we as a label fit into a whole other realm of like not Indians, but we're Brit Indians and we're different yes. to Indian Indians and American Indians. And like, I'm going to touch upon that later. Um, Cause Rishi Rich, you know, reposted me today. No big deal. Rishi <laughs> Rich, know. shout out to you. Because <laughs> he what really like, sorry, go on. I was going to say, he's one of the founding fathers of British. He's the founding British, father of British Asians. Asian, yeah. That's literally yeah, what I was exactly. going to say. So, and I was going to say, like, what a lovely day to have our podcast recording is the same what? day that Rishi Rich reposted. It's like he's Mwah. here with us in spirit. Yes. Mwah, that kiss was for you. I know you're married, but whatever. Okay, <laughs> listen. So cultural differences in school. So can you name any incidents or, like, anecdotes as to any significant points in school that you thought to yourself like fuck I am not like any of these other people I'm not ever going to be like any of these other people I'm sure there was multiple but at what point did you get your like revelation I think there's like three I'll go through them quickly I won't spend too long on each of them the first was when um the boy I fancied called me a packy and pulled my hair in the playground and that was very very sad and I still remember I like he pulled my hair and I was like crying because I knew it was really bad I don't think anyone else really understood and I don't think anyone knew how to like deal with it so I remember one of my friends like helped me do my hair up but then she like kind of went off afterwards and I was just left by myself and I was like okay can't really explain the feeling but that was a moment of like okay I am different because no one understands what just happened um another time was when this girl flat out said to me she goes my mom says no brown people are invited to um to my birthday party and I was like that one I took quite well I was like okay fair enough like what how old were you at this point I think I was like seven or eight but I remember it so well we were like in the line to go back into the classroom and she was like yeah my mom says no brown people are allowed but at that time I remember thinking okay I don't want to go to your party then Brown people aren't allowed. Like, why would I want to go? And then when I was about in high school, there was instances, like, so there's a park behind my house and um, there'd be all sorts of young men in the, in the park at given times. So I'd walk back from um, 
the bus stop. It's not a long way, like literally just like a little path you walk down. And so they'd start play, playing like Indian music on their phone and, you know, like doing that bobbing of the head, that really stereotypical thing that everyone thinks. Like yeah, Indians. that ding a ling a ling a ling a ling Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, you feel exactly that. that one. So he was like doing that and I was like, okay. And then I remember we got actually a bit of a hate crime situation where we had lots of like bags of poo taken out of the um, dog litter and like thrown on our front garden. So that was also a moment where I, we were, I was kind of like, okay, that's, um, but I don't think I ever really understood it until I had to leave my job that I had to leave due to racial issues. I don't think I really, because in every other way I was, I'm very privileged, very much so. So I don't think I noticed, I didn't notice the gap until it became really salient. I'm not really making sense. I'm going around in circles, but like, at school, it was still fine, right? Because I was still going through school. I was still, my aim was still to go to university. So there wasn't, even though me and my counterparts were different, there wasn't a great deal different in what we were doing at the time. Yeah. I think yeah. when it comes to jobs, and it really is a dog-eat-dog world, that's when it really sunk into my brain. Okay, now I know what Papa meant by you have to work, like, if 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 a English counterpart is putting in 80%, you need to double that and put in one sixty percent and then you might get a chance. Yeah. And if that's the thing, no matter how much you hear, you don't really realise it until something similar happens. So you asked if there was a time at school. Those times, I think they were like little pieces of the puzzle and then one day it all sunk in and I still remember the day where I felt it, like, come down on me and I was like right I'm I'm gonna have to work a little bit harder but that's for okay. sure I think when you look back in hindsight and there's never a point in school when you're going through it I'm literally almost 25 now and I'm looking back thinking oh my god this really influenced the way I was back then like I was mm-hmm. such an asshole because I was in this influence or whatever and you said that there was the racial situation about your job like mm-hmm. are you okay to talk about that or is that oh something- yeah now okay. bring it on sis bring Hit it me up on. so you said you there was a pivotal time in your job where you when all your dad's words like kind of clicked in your head yeah. so do you want to talk about that instant if yes. there's any company names involved not sure if you can name them on here or we can just we can beat no. them out to be honest like if yeah. i get sued i get sued here's what it is Ooh, i would actually love to beat them out um <laughs> what am i saying here you can't for, for sure i'll beat them out don't worry I feel a bit naughty saying it out loud. Anyway, so this company, local company, started working for them. Um, the short version of this story is that I left after, I think, about 12 days of working there. So in those 12 days, um, I think about one week in, I started to realise these people aren't my people. One of the girls was using that R word, that very outdated word we use. Um, she kept using that, and I thought, mm, that's not really on, but I kind of just tried to get on with the job. And um, then one day, the name Puja had come up, just like I think someone we were selling to. And the guy who sat beside behind me, who was in my team, he found that hilarious, like literally in fits of laughter. He was like, how many O's in the name Puja? And I was like, bro. I was like, what? I like didn't even say anything. I just like went for a walk. I was like, excuse me, I need a timeout. I think I had a little cry because I was like, 
how does he find that funny? I was like, how can he actually laugh at that as if it's not the most common like Indian girl's they, name ever? Exactly. And also what jokes on you, bitch? Because what if it's P-U-J-A? There's yeah. no O's in that name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dan. <laughs> bruh. Anyway. Um, so I remember bringing that up and there was some other time like they had put on an accent when they were like talking about some, they said that there was some Latino man who wasn't very nice, but when they were telling us what he said, they put on an accent, like, to imitate him, which obviously isn't necessary. Made some comments about a Nigerian customer we had, and I was like, ill. So one day I just, like, I, that same day I went and brought up with the manager, and I was like, I'm not okay with the jokes that are being made. I, I feel there's racial undertones, and I'm not comfortable with it, because, yeah. We had a huge meeting. Everyone, like, the managing director, the finance director my direct manager and the guy who was racist. And I just got, I heard every excuse under the sun, except for, I'm sorry that we made this joke and we won't do it again, which is what n normal, nice, kind people would do, I guess. But um, instead I got stuff like, well, maybe you're just, maybe you're more in tune to racism. Maybe you've like perceived well, of it course, in a way. Of course you're more in tune to racism. I mean, sorry to interrupt the story, but what the fuck, yeah. like... Yeah of, course, okay. like, yeah, of course I'm in tune. I've grown up around it. So <laughs> forgive me if I'm going to get a bit defensive about my culture because, sorry, I don't know why these people are so silly sometimes. Like, not even that it's the point, but my mum could be called Pooja and my parents do have an accent. Yeah, for so sure. I am going to get offended if you then make take the piss out of people's accents and their names. Like, what a weird... What a weird thing to do. Anyway, they basically put all of the blame on me. They were like, well, you know, all the usual stuff. You, we don't want anyone working on eggshells. Like, um, we do think we do. Oh, my God, I got told to thicken up. I remember he told me I need some thicker skin. Um, just they said everything. They were like, I'm sure he didn't mean it in a racist way. He just, I mean, what other way did you mean it then? I'm sorry. Racism is racism, whichever way you want to coat it, love. And don't try and don't try and pull the wool over my ears. I've seen enough. I may have only been 24 at that time, but I've still seen enough to know when you are when there are racial undertones. Um, so basically, that went on, and then I'm um, yeah, basically just telling me I needed to just throw, grow a thicker skin, take a joke a bit better, have a bit of banter. So then I didn't go into work for a couple of days, and then on the Monday I went back in. And they were like, well, were you really ill or were you, were you just like, they were just like so intimidating. They were like, were you ill or were you lying? Were you ill or were you lying? And I was like, yo, I was like, to be honest, I lied. Like, why would I want to sit in this environment? <laughs> but you're like, you're just intimidating the hell out of me. Why would I have actually wanted to come in? After yeah. I was the victim, you made it seem like it was my fault for perceiving something in a certain way anyway. Of course I lied about not going in. Who would want to go into a workplace like that? And I'm surprised that they have such little or no emotional intelligence to have picked up that you are ill. And instead of asking you if you're lying, to ask me like, are you okay? Like, because why is health? physical, yeah, how, why is physical health and yeah. mental health? Like, why is exactly. that a thing? But um, I guess from the same people that are going to say, that are going to worry about making banter in the office. Like that was, that seemed to be their biggest concern. They were like, well, we need to make jokes in the office. And I'm like, well, I'm quite funny. Yeah. You don't get my sense of humor because you're obviously all idiots. Sorry. Yeah. But if you are reacting like that, you're not sensing my mental health issues. You're intimidating me out of it. I was like, right, listen, this is horrible. I'm out of here. 
And then they were like, oh, right, okay, we'll just get your things. My things were already like in a pile ready to give to me. Like they had obviously pre-planned it. And the only thing I regret about this is that I wish I'd let them fire me because I know they were about to fire me. I wish I'd let them fire me instead of walking out. Anyway, very sarcastically, the manager was like, oh, you might want your coat. It's not very nice. It's not very nice out there. And I was like, do you know what, Mike? It's not very nice in here. And you might want to rethink your diversity policy. Thank you and good night. Um, except those same, <laughs> the people who own that company uh, live down my road. So I have an awkward run in every now and then. But yeah, that was the meet, the time in the boardroom where they were like, I remember we had like two meetings that day. So one was just like trying to figure out what had happened. And the next meeting was a case of the manager being like, well, I've heard one thing from them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I can't really take anyone's word. And I just, I was like, right. So these two white men have said that they didn't say the thing they said and already apologized for in the first meeting. They've now apparently said that they didn't take, they didn't say anything. And um, we don't know who to believe. And I was like, right. If I was a man or if I was a white, number one, that wouldn't be, <laughs> that wouldn't have been a That wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, number two, yeah, that's, that's the moment when they're like curtains came down and I was like, but very fortunately, I want to add in that I was very fortunate to be able to just walk out like that. Like, thanks to my fam for supporting me. I just feel for anyone who's stuck in that position and, and can't leave. And they can't because of like yeah. really detrimental <laughs> financial reasons or exactly. whatever reasons they have. Um, no, I'm glad. Oh. I'm, I mean, I've, I'm not. I don't have that big a reaction at the moment because I heard this story, and mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say the same shit I said last time, which is, I would drag their names to the ground. But I know you want to do it at your own pace, like, yeah, <laughs> drag their names to the ground, obviously with the beeps. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I think it's just a shame as well that you're seeing this in 2020. And I'm glad that you made that snub. It's not even a snub because it's just actually true about them having to revisit their diversity policy because I don't understand what they're achieving. Like, but again, it goes back to that. Your job was based where you live. It's near Ipswich and Suffolk. Really, if they're not educated on this, they're never going to get it. They're never going to, they're never going to wrap their little heads around what it's to be culturally diverse. Exactly. And that's really sad for them. And also more for them because I was there. I was going to get in like the doctor angle. I was going to get them all these new customers and whatever. Um, Because my dad's a doctor and we were going to do business with his surgery. But um, they just ruined those leads for themselves. (laughs) And unfortunately, we'll never see business from that that surgery ever in their life. We actually have so many powerful contacts in the doctor space in this country because both of our dads are doctors or all their friends are doctors. We could shut them down. Okay, if you're listening to this podcast audience, you know what to do. You need to out here boycott. Yeah, I'm probably gonna have to beep that, but whatever. If you you want to know the name, then just DM us in it. Like we'll tell you. (laughs) We have no issues. They've already blocked me on Instagram once. What's the unblocked you now? Who hasn't un- who hasn't blocked me on Instagram? To be fair, no, they didn't no, go we- down that same road. <laughs> I'm still blocked. We have so many other people to touch upon blocking you on Instagram. So can you not give the story away too quick, please? <laughs> thank you. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to move on to um, I'm just going to move on to India. To be honest, and your relationship with yeah. India as an immigrant child. So um, you said your second, well, 1.75 gen. 
So mm-hmm. my first question is going to be, have you ever visited your parents' hometown? Many a time. I used to go back every year um, until I was like 14 and then that became a bit less. So I would say out of like 24 years, I'd gone back about 15 times, quite, quite, a, quite a reasonable amount. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, um, Shout out Sweet Home. Shout out Sweet Home. Sweet, you know oh my know. God, Sweet Home. Shout out. No one's going to get it because no one's fucking from Patna. But like, listen, if I you're from Patna and you know, or you're from Bihar, you don't even have to be from Patna. There is a shop on Boring Road next to Alangar's Jewelers. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you where it is on Google Maps. It's called Sweet Home. If you're there, yeah. get the pineapple pastry yeah. and the chili paneer puff. Yeah. And then let us know the reviews. Let us know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you and good night. Right. So, <laughs> four countries. So, um, in terms of your relationship with India, so you work there at the moment now. Do you want yes. to tell the audience as to kind of look what you do in India at the moment, where you work, um, how you came about being British Indian and then working in India as well? Okay. So, obviously, when you go back to your home town i don't know if this is the same for everyone but largely i get just a very nice people like going back there like that's where their grandparents often are like it's it's a holiday isn't it like you go and you get spoiled and it was always so different like the landscape oh my god it's so different like i can imagine looking out of my window in bombay right now and it's a concrete jungle as opposed to looking out of my bedroom in ipswich and like all i can see is like trees and greenery so as a child when you do that you're automatically fascinated. And I think one day I just became fascinated with India and that fascination still has not died. Um, so all throughout like my later teenage years, you would have heard me. I mean, you did hear me say it every single time I would get upset. I'll be like, I want to go to India. Like I just, the culture and the like, yeah, the culture just like always drew me back. It's just, it's just, it is different. And after living in England for so long, I was like, I want to go live in India. I want to see what it, what it, a taste of what it might have been like had I grown up there. Actually, you remember, Kitty, we always used to ask each other questions like, what if this? What if that? And one of them was always, what if I was born and raised in India? And it's a very interesting thing to touch upon, I find, because you just wonder. So I don't know, that fascination was always in my head. So after my master's, I started saving up. I was either going to travel there or I was going to work there. Luckily, I found like a paid fellowship where you teach in like underprivileged schools. So yeah, for the past year, I've been in central Bombay teaching in a government school, um, teaching third standard kids there. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And it's been, it's been, wow. What do you want me to tell you about that? I could probably do a whole episode on the fact that you work in a BMC school as a yeah. Indian with having no living experience in India previously. But I think the one thing you said was really important is that we used, always used to ask each other as kids, like, oh my God, what if we like grew up in India? Mm-hmm. Like, what if mummy and papa stayed in India and they never moved and we just had to grow up there like every other Indian kid? And it was almost like, we almost like fetish, fetishized, fetishized it. Is that the yeah. word? Because yeah, I yeah, now yeah. know so many Indian people, obviously, who have grown up in India, whose parents were Indian and grew up there. And they're completely normal. And of course, we have cultural differences. But we acted like it was such like a circus thing. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, what if we like grew up in India? Yeah. yeah. But actually, they're just like, you find your tribe in any place, any corner yeah. of the world, right? And that's what happens when you go to India. They're, people aren't very different. <laughs> they're just like us. They just sound a little bit different. That's it. 
Um, yeah. And when you moved to India, what's the first thing that you like culturally noticed? Like what's, what's the biggest shift that you had in the way you work or the way you live or the way you fit into society? I think the first thing was the, um, I worked a lot harder there because of the way the structure of like the workplace is set. Like in India, it's you work until your work is finished and it doesn't matter about your working hours. Like, unfortunately it's still, cause it's a developing country. It's still very like cutthroat in that sense. Whereas yeah. I know in England I could be like, well, my working time is this to this. Like I know my rights. I think it was a case of maybe not even knowing my rights as much. It was, everything seemed more exhausting, but I know that was a bit of the weather, like acclimatizing to the weather and just being in a completely new place. But yeah, I think culturally for the workplace, it's just a case of like the work does not stop. Yeah. After what needs very, to be done. Yeah. It, it needs to get done. Yeah. That was the first biggest thing I noticed. And any second or third oh. things? All oh, right. <laughs> um, what Trey is out here like, Oh, is that it? It's like, that, I thought I answered the question. No, do you mean like cultural to work or do you, can it be culturally just generally? Just culturally, like it doesn't oh, have right, to be okay. work relative. You, you do have a life outside of work, remember? Yeah, that is true. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. <laughs> Question um, <laughs> What else was different? Okay, so one of the most irritating things was everyone being like, wow, how do you know? How do you know Hindi so well? And I'm like, how do you know Hindi so well? And they're like, I learned it at home. And I'm like, well, I learned it at home. They were like, but you're not, you're not Indian, you're English. And I was like, I don't know if you can see the colour of my skin right now, <laughs> but I am brown the same as you. I think what I didn't realise, like in, in England, we, the British Asians, like everyone knows us, right? Yeah. We, you know, we're just like, yeah, British Asians. Um, and I don't, I think I thought British Asian was more of a thing globally. And it really isn't. <laughs> like, I think like, there's been like a handful of people that have understood straight away that I am, um, that I am a child of Indian parents, but I had to like explain it to a lot of people, but you can't blame them because India in itself is so diverse. And what is British Asian? This is the thing. Um, Cause I think this is a good time just to touch upon British Asians actually, because so I never knew I was British Asian growing up because I was born in India and I lived there for three years. Then I moved to England and I've been here like my whole life. And I was thought to myself, I'm Indian, I'm Indian. And for a long time, I was Indian. So I was ethnically Indian mm. and I was nationality, like my nationality was Indian. And when I was 11 or 12, mm. I got my British passport. And then my mum kept being like, oh, you're British now. Like, you know, th this is it, like <laughs> I've done. I got my real red passport. I'm gonna zoot zoot out of here. And mm -hmm. then I learned. And then when I was a teenager, like a really young teenager, I got into kind of the Brit Asian scene. So Rishi Rich, shout out mm -hmm, to you. Mm -hmm. The Rishi Rich Project, mm -hmm. artists like Jay Sean, Juggy D. And then on TV, we'd see it on like BBC, like on the radio, BBC Sound Network. And like the Asian yeah. shows like Before You and like ZTV UK and all sorts of shit. And I got really involved in this. And at the time, it was like predominantly Punjabi. So it was like, and I think that's why I grew Ooh, yeah. up wanting to be Punjabi because I'm very into Punjabi. Yeah, I'm very I'll into... Say beats like dance everything Punjabi and I think it's because Punjabi set the way for British Asians I'm not gonna lie shout out to Punjabi yeah um yeah how do you even explain this like how do you even explain that there's a whole other diaspora in England to Indian people who have like a million languages amongst themselves a million races amongst themselves exactly. it's hard yeah 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 it is difficult I think 
as well unlike bollywood obviously romanticizes so much stuff and i think often they'll show the like in namaste london <laughs> she's in england <laughs> and she's very anglicized right so i, I can't even blame every, anyone for thinking of how does she know hindi but um just like little comments like that but that's i think i've just had to accept that i think before i had a real identity crisis of am i indian am i british who am i am i an alien yeah. like i just i didn't really know i went over to india and for a bit it was really frustrating and i was like right well i am i'm too english to be indian but i'm too i'm too brown to be english kind of thing um but now i've kind of just realized that people are going to ask questions if you sound a bit different people are curious it may not always come away across in the nicest way i wouldn't personally ask certain questions like that myself but how lucky i am to have two places to call home like after living in bombay for a year and knowing i can do it don't get me wrong it was one of the most difficult things like acclimatizing to just the weather the way the school system works there learning just new things like do you know like little things like um if you lose your bank card here you know exactly the procedures what to do obviously in a different yeah. country it's so it's so it just, it's just a case of like learning the process new things. is different the but, process is different it's like here you go to yeah. a bank and it's done right. in india it's like you have to sweet talk the person hope they're like someone who wants to help you yeah Pray there isn't a massive line at the bank like exactly yeah just i've just actually just thought about one of the other cultural differences that i struggled with a lot was mm-hmm. keeping to time like here if you have an appointment at four your appointments at four you should turn up at 350 right but in Bombay, I like I was very in that schedule because I'd been working in England before, so everything was according to time. And then I was in Bombay, and I was like planning my day. You can't plan your day because the other person has not planned theirs to the fullest extent. Like that's such just, a good like, way of putting done, it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things get done. They get done, and someone's willing to help me like that. Like I won't even really have to wait too long. But it's just um, just accepting the different way of work, the way things work. Um, I forgot where where I even started with that one. No, you answered pretty yeah. much the question because it was like, what are the cultural differences? And you said one of yeah. them was Hindi, that, you know, that people are surprised you speak Hindi. Yeah. But back on that, so one of the questions I usually ask my like interviewees is, do you speak Hindi, oh, yeah. your home language? And you obviously do. And you, I think you are very like inspirational for a lot of other British Asians because you grew up not having the most confident like most confident no, speaking yeah. Hindi and I remember when you and I became friends and I would speak Hindi a lot you'd be like Kitty I just love talking to you when you speak in Hindi because you remind me yeah. of India like you remind me of Patna but yeah. here's the thing you have to remember that our parents made the time and effort to teach us Hindi and the reason yeah. I say that is because it's very easy to slip into our for our parents as immigrants into a new world and not speak in Hindi to try and mm. fit in themselves Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends and family who don't speak Hindi and they just speak English as one language because mm-hmm. their parents never went through the effort. So my old boyfriend, um, he, like his mom speaks fluent Gujarati, like reads, writes, speaks, she's from Gujarat, but he still went to Gujarati school. I don't understand. Whereas we didn't have to go to Hindi school. We just... Yeah. Yeah. I think with that as well, though, there is a certain, you know, you said Punjabi set the wave. I think yeah. the Jaratis were also in that, you know, setting up like all our favorite corner shops, not to stereotype, but a lot of Gujaratis do own like the shops that you see. And I think 
they were here a little bit longer and so then set up their Gujarati schools. I'm sure if we looked now, there'd probably be Hindi stuff, but there wasn't, there there was wasn't a, at the time, yeah. was there? It was, I was listening to your first episode of your podcast, actually, where um, Jennifer was saying that her parents would pretend they didn't know English so that she would be forced to speak. Oh, in her yeah. And I that think that's well. a case of like how a lot of us learn our, our mother tongues, isn't it? Like our parents... Yeah, I had no choice, man. My mum did not speak. She spoke like a sentence of English. Like, I had no choice. But with yeah, my dad, yeah. I think because I came to this country not speaking a word of English. In fact, it's owed to how quickly I picked up English because I went to school yeah. and had no problems. I couldn't communicate with them. Oh and God, yeah. yeah, but my dad taught me pretty well. So that was, that was a good shout out to Papa's who have the patience. And um, I just want to ask um, a couple of things, just because we're coming to a close of the interview, mm-hmm. is what, if there's one thing that you could go, so two questions actually, if there's one thing you could go back and tell like 16 year old Shreya about cultural identity or like the identity crisis that, you know, she was going through at the time, then what would it be? I think as cliche as it sounds, I'd kind of just be like, hang in there. It's okay that you're confused because you are, your home culture is one thing and your your outside your house culture is another thing and there's a lot going on. So it's okay that you're confused. Try your best to be yourself, which is what everyone will say. But um, ultimately being yourself is what has made your older self happy is what I would tell her. Oh, that's very nice. And also you like, have to yeah. go through it to grow through it as well. So I guess it's all I well and said. <laughs> it's all, you know I literally, I mean, I'm pretty sure I stole that from Maya Jama, but we'll, we move. Yeah, you know, you know, Rishi Rich, Maya Jama, my birthday about we lit this year. So, um, <laughs> so what was I going to say? Um, yeah, no, for sure. You have to obviously yeah. go through it to grow through yeah. it. And it, this is all in hindsight, but if someone was to ask me what I would tell my 16 year old self, like being from the exact same background as you, it would be two things. Don't not take alu paratas to school. I used to make my mum. I was so embarrassed of like smelly school lunches. And I'd make my mum make the white people shit, man, like ham sandwiches. My family don't even eat that. Like, Chicken coronation, shut the fuck up. I would, you would not see me touch that, <laughs> that now. Is fun, like, fun. That, that is, is fun. It's just nasty shit. I make my mum give me like pombets. They're still paying. But like, I would be so embarrassed to take smelly Indian food. Yeah, man. And also my clothes shouldn't smell of Indian things and like blah, blah, blah. And, and that just goes to my second point, which is if you're going to own part of your culture, then own it all. Don't own like the best bits. Because I remember mm-hmm. I wouldn't ever be embarrassed to like listen to Jay Sean and Juggy D out loud. But I'd be embarrassed mm-hmm. to listen to like Kishore Kumar. Like, God, I, God forbid anyone heard my dad's radio. Do you know what I mean? Or oh my why gosh, is it okay to radio. wear like, why is it okay to wear a sari in like school because a white girl's doing it? But then you wouldn't wear a kurta like in your profile picture on Facebook. And it's yeah. just, I wish I accepted all of it instead of like the parts I wish yeah. like romanticized. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. We've both I, done a lot. I, I do agree with that as well. And I would also, can I just add in that I would say, be kinder to your parents. I remember I used yes. to get a little bit even, I'm very ashamed of this, right? I'm so ashamed. But like, mum would see someone who was a little bit more tan and she'd be like, oh, are they Indian? And I'd be like, mum, why are you obsessed? Like, why do you want everyone to be Indian? Oh my God. Why would you if not you want are, everyone to be Indian? Exactly. If you're a minority in this new country, my God, you are going to run towards the first Indian you see. 
Like, even when I'm in Bombay and it's all very metro and everything, the desire to hear a British accent overcomes me sometimes. I remember in my most homesick days, my first few weeks of training, I was like Googling <laughs> someone doing the Hull accent because that's how homesick... Googling the Hull accent. Do you accent. remember when we were in the Taj and going to House of Nomad and we heard an Essex accent in front of us? <laughs> and we just <laughs> made friends with them, like, immediately. We were like, you're English, I'm English, <laughs> like, it, it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, humans just like relatability in any, I think so younger me was trying to be relatable to other people whilst my mum was trying to find someone to relate to. And I wish, I wish for all people who are like younger versions of us that they, that they, um, what was I going to say? What was I just saying now? I'm so sorry. Joe, be kind to your parents. Yeah. How did you go and off on a tangent like that? And I was talking about being like integrated. Oh you no, know, the, the the like commonalities like you always okay yeah 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 um I think if we could find that with our parents more I think that would have been a really helpful thing is if we if I had tried to learn more actively about the Indian culture through my parents whilst at the same time they'd be learning about this culture through me um yeah that's what I want to say to all people who are grown up now like take things from your parents try and understand why are they so excited about that person on the street it will help yeah. you understand them better and they will under- I know communication isn't a huge thing in our cultures necessarily it's very much like parent child situation but um just ask more questions Why? yeah for sure I wish growing up now I'm so quick I cannot speak growing up I'm so curious about my parents I ask questions all the time and like I get really they get really excited to respond because it Mm -hmm. actually shows a level of enthusiasm like oh my god my child's asking about me like they're not completely glorified and blah 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 so yeah no for sure for sure just the other day my mum was sat and she goes thank god both of my children are like are like Indian as well and they've like gone like taken was it like thrown ourselves at the culture almost yeah she was like thank god and I was like mum but that's because you insured of it right yeah it's because our parents always kept us very in the loop exactly and anyone listening who has like a self-hatred of culture like we did when we were like 15 16 however old we were hang in there literally Ashraya said like hang in there it's gonna get better but you make sure you're driving that change like don't just wait Mm -hmm. around if you're in a very white area or you're in an area where you're only minority of your like ethnicity or nationality then be curious like go around explore like google listen to other podcasts read books mm-hmm. i remember now there's so many books about indian british asians and at the time there was like one called like london stani and we used to buy yes! that book there was like one book because like, we had no book, source though. we had no so it's probably in your bedroom somewhere but, like we had no oh yeah i'm looking at it right now <laughs> We had Literally, nothing, there was, there was like, nothing like... There was nothing for us. So, like, now it's evolving, people are speaking up. Like, go go educate yourself. Like, I'm sure you'll learn a great deal. And you know what, people? Our time is here because nowadays when the news is on and it's all the Asian, South Asian doctors on the news, I'm shout like... Shout out, Rishi Sunak. Shout out. Shout out. And, like, you just didn't see these people. Like, we had the mirror sales, like, the goodness gracious me people, right? That Sanjeev yes. Bhaskar guy. Yes. Jay Sean. And I'm so glad we had those few people there. Even you know people, what? like, I remember Jamila Jamil. And even though she still worked for, like, a white broadcast, she'd talk about her Indian yeah. side and her Pakistani side. And I'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. There's someone who looks exactly. like me on TV. Yeah. And also, could I just throw out there as well? When I was younger, I think I'd be like, 
I don't necessarily want to go make friends with the other person of color in case, like, in case all the white people are just like grouping us together, being like, why are they only talking to each other? I just want to call it out. It's so okay. Go find that solidarity. Go and be friends with the other brown person you see. It's okay. And also, I'm not a symbol of tokenism. Like, I'm not your one brown friend who makes you not no, racist. Yeah. Like, you would never call another white group of people who are selectively white, like, oh my God, they're a white group of people. Well, I would now because I ain't give a shit. But like, back then, yeah. it was like, I'm not racist. I'm friends with Kitty. She's brown. And it's like, I'm not yeah, your token. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not the it girl. Exactly. You know, I'm not your diversity and- quota. And just because people are hanging out with other people from their culture, it doesn't mean they're a clique. It doesn't mean they're not trying to integrate into British life. It just means they've met someone who understands them slightly a little bit better. Like I can't, the ways in which me and P, my best friend would have spoken about stuff. It's just good for your brain. It's good for your mental (laughs) health to have someone who understands like, okay, I had pal bhaji for dinner last night, not pasta and broccoli. Do you feel me? Oh my God, pal bhaji, yes. Every single day yeah. I would eat roti sabji and my friends would be like, oh my God, my mum made potato dauphin noir. I'd be like, well, I ate yeah. alu roti, so that was that. And the thing is, but did you actually used to say I ate alu roti? Because even then I would like white fight and be like, I would have a chapati with this and this. Like this I wouldn't curry. even say chapati. I'd like lie about what I'd eat. I'd be like, yeah, I had um, a KFC. No, I did not, sis. I did not <laughs> eat a KFC. I would just anglophile. I'm such a little anglophile. Like I'd make everything white. I'd like, honestly... Yeah, looking back, I was just mm-mm, not it, not it, sis. No. But but now we are so unapologetically desi. Matlab kya bol sakte hai? Oh my god, I love oh. that. I normally always ask my participants to say something in Hindi. Ooh. So Ooh. what? What are you gonna leave? Obviously, I'm gonna beef you back, and not beef, but I'm banning you back in Hindi. So what? Uh-huh. What? Um, what closing quote should we end on? Oh gosh. Live fast, die young, bad girls do it well. That wasn't Hindi. <laughs> but that was, that a was not Hindi. Hindi. <laughs> but that was, uh, like, you know, she's an anti-vaxxer though. So we need to, we need to reconsider that. Yeah, oh my God. apparently she's an anti-vaxxer. I don't know. I still, no. I still stand. I still stand her. I still yeah, stand her. But I mean, yeah, she's apparently an anti-vaxxer. So. It's like, I still stand Stormzy, but I respect him a little bit less because of his Maya Jama stuff. It's like that. You don't, we don't what have do to cancel them. you Maya stuff? Well, because he says there was rumours about the fact that he cheated, but he says that he was just really, he did something that was like disrespectful. So I've had the conversation with people and in my head that we don't have to fully cancel people, but we can just rate them. He didn't, I know what he did. Like I basically watched every single interview in this fucking lockdown. He, I think, chirps someone at Maya's party when they'd broken up in front of Maya. And everyone was like, that's so disrespectful. Which oh, it is. Like, how could you work is, out yeah. with someone and a week later yeah. be, like, mad on it with someone else? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, with the MIA, we'll just like, okay, Hindi meh. MIA is their world democracy. Sorry, you can't say MIA and then not say the rest. Yeah, yeah Hindi so meh, but bolo, bolo, bolo. I think this is just my favourite line from a song at the moment, which is, it's Raja Kumari, and she goes, Daughter of America, fir bi dil meh Hindustani. And that is us, my good friend. Fear be dil me Hindustani. Daughter of England. You have to say it like England. <laughs> That's also a film if you want to watch. Great film. Shao Khan. Yeah. Shao. Yeah. I love my India, bro. Like, fear be dil me Hindustani. Hamesha, hamesha kiliye. Hamesha kiliye. Oh my God. Okay, this is and just turning. Kitty, aap kiliye hazaro bar. Oh, thank you. Do you want to translate what that means? Yeah, for you a thousand times. 
I know. That's a quote from our That was another book, by the way. It wasn't even a South Asian. Well, it depends if you class Afghanistan in South Asia, but and there was a book by a. Afghani writer, really famous, Khalid Hosini. You probably read the book, Kite Runner. Mm-hmm. And we were obsessed with it growing up because it was like the closest thing we could find to India. Like there was a lot yeah. of similar cultural references. So um, many, yeah. Great story, great book. Would recommend. Yeah. We keep going please, on tangents. <laughs> yeah, we do. But please do read books by any kind of ethnic minority because you learn a lot and you get some solidarity from that as well. Like, do we all remember Noughts and Crosses? Shout out, Malawika. Wow, that was like the OG. That like paved the way for everything else yeah really we really have and also that book was ahead of its time so ahead that was like dystopian colonite colonial like backwards flippity flop shit it was it's just mad anyway sorry about the tangents i just that is so okay but it's actually i've had such a great time with you on my podcast thank you so much for coming and thank you for having me actually Oh, you were very welcome, Shrey. And until next time, everyone, I hope you're all keeping safe during this COVID period. And if you wanted to reach out to any of us, then please do. We're all lonely out here. Gang, gang. Mm-hmm. Peace out. Gang, Partner gang. forever. Hamisha Kili. Partner.